During oral arguments before the full Second Circuit Court of Appeals, Judge Rosemary Pooler said, It's a little bit awkward to us to have the government on both sides of this case. But that's where the Trump administration was, on opposite sides in a case that's attracted nationwide attention and could result in a landmark decision on whether Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects gay and lesbian workers from bias, as it's protected workers from gender and racial bias for more than half a century. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission argued that the federal law would protect the plaintiff, a skydiving instructor who said he was fired because he was gay. But the Justice Department sided with the employer, saying Congress did not intend to include gay and lesbian discrimination in the civil rights law. Joining me is Professor Anthony Kreis of the Chicago-Kent College of Law. Anthony, explain what the basic issue is here. So the basic issue here is whether sexual orientation discrimination is a form of sex discrimination. Um, and, and therefore actionable under federal employment anti-discrimination law. Uh, so federal law expressly says that sex discrimination is banned. Um, and the argument here is that if an employer takes uh, action against an employee because of their sexual orientation, that they're necessarily taking into account their sex and the sex of their, of their intimate partner. And as a consequence, um, that's just plain old sex discrimination and, and banned under federal law. And what's the argument of the Justice Department? Uh, so the Justice Department uh, essentially says a few things. Uh, first, that in 1964, uh, Congress never intended to cover sexual orientation discrimination claims when they banned sex discrimination in the workplace. Um, and, and their second, ar- second argument is that a number of cases uh, were decided prior to 1991 uh, that held that sexual orientation discrimination wasn't actionable. And in 1991, Congress overhauled uh, the Federal Civil Rights Act in, in a number of important ways in Title VII, uh, but that, they, that in uh, not protecting sexual orientation discrimination expressly, that they, in fact, uh, in effect, uh, ratified those decisions. And, and finally, that Congress has rejected bills uh, since 1991 to specifically amend Title VII to protect uh, against sexual orientation discrimination. And for all those reasons, um, the, the sex discrimination is, should not be interpreted as including uh, or as, as sexual orientation discrimination shouldn't be thought of as a subset of sex discrimination. Anthony, does precedent favor the Justice Department's position because the full Seventh Circuit in April overturned its own precedent and held that sexual orientation bias necessarily is sex discrimination? But an Eleventh Circuit panel ruled the opposite in March, and the Second Circuit panel in this case ruled the opposite. So where does precedent stand? Well, in the Second Circuit, it's been precedent since 2000 in a case called Simington that sexual orientation claims aren't cognizable under Title VII. Um, and, and I think that a number, you know, a number of district courts um, have, have joined the, the Seventh Circuit in ruling uh, for LGBT uh, plaintiffs. Uh, so the, the, the trend seems to be favoring sexual orientation claims uh, or sexual plaintiffs bring sexual orientation claims. But you're correct that, by and large, most circuit courts of appeal have, have held the opposite. So we'll, we'll see where the, 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 the trend goes. Um, but I certainly think it's telling that the fact that the Second Circuit wanted to rehear this case, that they're, that they're seriously reexamining that 2000 precedent. That was going to be my next question, because the Second Circuit rarely hears cases on bank or with all its judges. So does that tell you how important this case is? 
Oh, absolutely. Generally speaking, the Second Circuit is loath to go on bonk, um, and they will only do so typically if they think it's actually worth, uh, go, uh, you know, worthy of Supreme Court review. And so they uh, generally don't uh, don't go through this procedure. So I think that this is a, a strong signal that they are really seriously taking a hard look at this, and and very well may. Uh, overturn that that 2000 uh, era precedent. The Justice Department's lawyer refused to answer the judge's questions about how the rift developed between the Justice Department and the EEOC. So how do the judges weigh the different government positions? Which do they give more weight to? Uh, well, well, the EEOC is, of course, the agency charged with the enforcement and implementation of Title VII. Um, and so their their guidance here will be, you know, may very well be persuasive. Um, the Department of Justice, of course, is a, you know, their opinion will be uh, accorded weight too, because again, they are they are representing the position of the United States, and they are the, the nation's largest employer. So t- you know, time will tell um, how these these arguments weigh out. But at the end of the day, uh, what will guide and control the the judge's decision is their interpretation of the statute. Is there any question that this case or one like it will end up at the Supreme Court? Uh, Time time will tell there, too. Uh, I think it's much more likely now that you have a split among the circuit courts of appeals um, that the Supreme Court will ultimately hear it. Whether it's the 11th Circuit case, this case, or or another one, uh, we'll see. Ultimately, um, the the bigger issue may be whether a an employer defendant really wants to appeal this decision because that might be, at the end of the day, uh, a bad employment decision if you, in terms of branding, uh, to be associated with a case where you're defending anti-gay uh, bias. But um, you know, this case may very well be that vehicle. Um, the administration stance challenges a group of 50 companies and organizations, including Microsoft, Google, and Viacom, that filed documents in June arguing that discrimination based on sexual orientation should be illegal. How does the court weigh an amicus brief like that? Um, of course, I, I think it's uh, any amicus brief will, will be you know, from, from a group of uh, companies like that will certainly have some uh, impact in terms of at least bringing attention uh, to the issue in a, in a different way. Um, it's certainly telling, it's, it's significant to the extent that in theory, uh, the position that these companies have taken would potentially open them up to more liability. And that, of course, I, I think, um, you know, gives it a, a particular, uh, I think, amount of cachet that uh, some of the other amicus briefs may not. Um, but the, importantly, I think what it, it signals to the, to the judges is that these companies don't have a reliance interest on, on the status quo remaining, um, and that if they do, in fact, overturn that old precedent, that there, there's, there won't be some large upheaval in current practice and procedure um, because these companies are, in fact, inviting the court to um, embrace a more expansive understanding of Title VII because from these companies' perspectives, that's good for the workplace and it's good for workers. Well, only about 30 seconds, but at one point the argument of the Justice Department was that this shouldn't even be in the Second Circuit because the states covered by the Second Circuit have state laws that cover this. I, yeah, I, I personally don't find that persuasive because at, ultimately it's up to the courts to interpret what federal law says. Um, and so, we, you know, we will see, time will tell, but there are, of course, many, many states that don't have state protections, and so this will ultimately be an important, uh, important set of decisions for people in states without LGBT-specific uh, employment protections. 
Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on. That's Professor Anthony Kreiss. He is a professor at the Chicago Kent College of Law.